Do you find yourself frustrated with training your kids in the same areas over and over without any real change taking place? Are you discouraged because it seems that no matter what you do, you just can't reach the heart of your child? Do you remember me asking you these same questions last week? Great, (laughs) then you're in the right place. This is part two of how to reach the heart of your child. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. Before we get started on today's topic, here is a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Welcome back, Ginger. In our last episode, we discussed the importance of not just addressing the outward behavior of our kids, but learning how to get to the heart of the matter so that we can address the root sin from a biblical perspective. I know from personal experience, that's not always an easy thing to do, especially in the heat of the moment. And I know when other people are around, we have a tendency to focus on our own embarrassment when our kids misbehave instead of addressing what's going on in their heart. Right. And I also loved in our last episode, Katie, that you brought up the flip side of being embarrassed when our kids misbehave, which is being prideful when they behave well. And Mm -hmm. as we discussed, uh, you know, both of these responses reflect the sins in our own hearts as parents. I remember last week you mentioned being in a restaurant on a good day when your kids happened to be (laughs) self-controlled and obeying. And you said that when the cashier commented on how well behaved your children were, that you felt pride well up in your heart. And I just want to say that I can totally relate to both sides of that coin and feeling, you know, that sense of shame or embarrassment when my kids behaved badly in front of other people. And then also feeling that sense of pride on the days when they behaved well. So the battle on both sides is definitely a real battle. You know, that reminds me of a story that you told in your book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, about being in the grocery store on a day when your kids were behaving well and um, just how God humbled you when pride entered your heart. So I I think our listeners need to hear that story just in case they they haven't read it yet in the book. Well, that is probably the most embarrassing story for <laughs> me to tell. In fact, Katie, it's so embarrassing that that's why I rarely tell it in person. But <laughs> as imperfect parents who don't always get it right, we're all about vulnerability on this show, right? Oh, 
Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Okay. So I'll tell it. All right. So this incident actually happened over 20 years ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday because it was the day that God decided to make Proverbs 11.2, which says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, a complete (laughs) reality in my life. All right. So let me set the stage here. It was on a Friday afternoon in Winn-Dixie Grocery Store. And normally, I always did my grocery shopping in the mornings when the grocery store wasn't so crowded because that's one of the beauties of homeschooling is you can go to the grocery store whenever you want to. But for whatever reason, I found myself waiting in the checkout line at six o'clock on a Friday afternoon with both of my kids. And yeah, the place was packed. There were cashiers at all 10 registers and at least six or seven people in every line. And in the line next to me and my kids was a mom with her two little kids. And they looked like they were probably about the same age as mine, who at the time were probably about three and five. Well, you know how at the end of the checkout counters, they always had those little mini refrigerators. Yeah, with all the candy and the junk food just right at their eye level. Like, thank you for that, grocery stores, for the (laughs) constant temptation every time we take our kids. (laughs) Yeah. So the five-year-old in the line next to us began to beg his mom for a Coke. And the mom very firmly said, no. And then the boy, he started walking over to the refrigerator. And mom said, you better not open that door. So what does he do? Of course, he opened the door. And then mom said, you better not pull a drink out of there, mister. And so he grabs a Coke, pulls it out. And then the mom says, if you open that Coke, you're going to get it. And so the boy unscrews the cap, throws it on the floor and takes a big swig. And at this point, mom completely lost it. I mean, came undone and started just yelling all this stuff like, you just wait until you get home and your daddy hears about this. You kids never listen to me. And on and on and on she goes. Now, you have to understand, the mom and her kids were in line at the very last register. And we were in line at the second to the last register, which meant that everyone waiting in the other lines that's watching this whole scene unfold, they had to look past me and my kids who on this particular day were being well behaved. (laughs) Enter pride. Mm -hmm. You see, what I should have done is not what I did. Rather than having compassion for this poor mom and the struggles that she was obviously having with her kids on this day, Mm. I thought to myself, huh, won't see my kids acting like that. Mm. And that's when it happened. My three-year-old daughter, Alex, who was standing right behind me, all of a sudden, she blurts out the most horrible three words imaginable. She's she's always been a very loud child anyway, but it was as if Katie, it was like she it was as if she had grabbed one of the microphones from the checkout counter and screamed into it with everything she had. In a loud, booming voice, she yelled, Mama, you pooted. <laughs> Oh, no. And Katie, to this day, I don't know which was worse. The second she blurted it out or the minute it took for everyone to realize it was true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, parenting is such a sanctifying experience, isn't it? 
Yeah, I'd say parenthood can be a brutally sanctifying experience, but here's the truth of it. Like the scripture says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. If anyone knows about God humbling the proud, it's me, because he did it a lot of times in my life. Now, you know, we laugh because looking back, God did teach me a lesson in a humorous way, although I can assure you it was not funny at the time. <laughs> not to you, but probably everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite the show. Yeah. But God certainly, He doesn't find the sin of pride to be a humorous issue. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Proverbs 6, 6 17, pride is listed as one of the seven things that God hates. Mm-hmm. Pride is the granddaddy of all sins. It's typically the sin from which all other sins originate. I mean, just look at history. It was pride that caused Satan to become Satan. It was pride that caused the fall of Israel. And Katie, as much as we hate to admit it, it's I think it's often pride that blocks the Holy Spirit from moving in our lives. Mm. It's the sin with the strongest grip. It's the sin that we loathe when we see it in other people. And I'd say it's the sin that we often refuse to see in ourselves. Oh, that's so true. Yet throughout Scripture, God calls Christians to be humble. In James 4, 6, it says that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And the Bible also explains that humility is a prerequisite for His guidance in our lives. Psalm 25, 9 says, He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them His way. So that's why He instructs us to wrap humility around everything we do, including parenting. Well, Ginger, last week we talked about step one of your three-step plan to reach the hearts of our children. And I know our listeners are eager to hear about steps two and three, but I think it's so important that as parents, we're willing to take a look inside our own hearts and just address what's really going on in those instances when we find ourselves embarrassed, when our kids mess up, and prideful when they behave well. Um, I have a great love for Christian nonfiction books, which is actually what drew me to you. And one of the many books on my shelf is called When People Are Big and God is Small by Edward T. Welch. Um, It's a whole book about pride and fear of man. And I will admit it's, it's dense, but it is just so convicting. And here's a quote that I think really applies to our topic today. We are more concerned about looking stupid, a fear of people, than we are about acting sinfully, a fear of God. That's the end of the quote. Mm -hmm. So in light of our discussion about our kids' behavior and how that affects our sinful pride, can you address what might be at the heart of those struggles? Sure. And I love that quote because it really hits the nail on the head as far as uh, these feelings really boiling down to a fear of people versus a fear of God. And here's the thing. Feeling embarrassed when our kids misbehave, especially when other people are around, and feeling pride when they behave well are both very natural responses, but they do stem from our own sin nature of being self-focused. When we feel that our kids' behavior, whether good or bad, is somehow a reflection of who we are as parents, we're moving dangerously close to that slippery slope of self-reliance. And you know, it can be a real temptation to find our identity as parents through the performance of our kids. But in doing that, we're not only putting an unfair burden on them, but we're also finding our identity in someone other than Christ. And that's the sin of idolatry. Our identity is found in Christ alone, not in the fruits of our parenting, whether good or bad. Our identity is who we are in Jesus and what He's already done for us. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. 
for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When we keep this perspective as parents, we begin to view our children's behaviors, whether good or bad, through a Christ-focused lens rather than a self-focused lens. We begin to see their sinful behaviors as precious opportunities to point them to Jesus and their righteous behaviors as precious opportunities to praise Jesus for the work He's doing in their hearts. Mm. And the beauty of it is that when we find our identity in Christ and not our own performance or the performance of our kids, we have the joy of parenting for the glory of God rather than the burden of parenting as a means to try to prove our own worth and identity. Okay. Let's stop right there for a minute, Ginger. Can you just repeat that part for our listeners who might be distracted or multitasking right now? This is just too good for us to miss. Sure. When we find our identity in Christ— we have the joy of parenting for the glory of God rather than the burden of parenting to try and prove our own worth and identity. Man, the joy of parenting for the glory of God rather than the burden of parenting for ourselves. I think I need to tattoo that on my forehead or, <laughs> you know, or maybe just spend some time pondering it because it's just so contrary to our current culture and what it tries to teach us about parenting to fulfill some sort of need in ourselves. And when What we actually need is more of Christ and less of us. That's right. We all need Jesus. And, you know, that's the most important thing that we want our children to understand. That's why we want to look past outward behavior and and help them to evaluate their own hearts. Because when they evaluate their own hearts, then they're going to begin to recognize that they are sinners in need of a Savior, just like we are. Mm. And we need to understand that it's God's law from God's word that teaches us our need for Christ. Galatians 3.24 says, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So when we're frustrated in our parenting and we're discouraged because it seems that we're just not seeing that heart change in our kids, it could be an indicator that we're not following the instructions in the instruction manual. And by instruction manual, you mean the Bible, right? Yes. Well, you know, I'm always amazed by how drastic the changes in our children when my husband and I just simply apply God's word to our parenting. And I use the word simply there, but it's not it's not always so simple. Um, we're fighting against our own sin as we are simultaneously trying to help them fight against their sin. So about a year ago, I was having a hard time with my oldest son, who's now 10, and he and I were just butting heads on many things, and it was affecting his behavior. And at the time, I happened to be reading a book called Wild Things, The Art of Nurturing Boys by David H. Thomas and Stephen James. And again, this is a book like yours that meets us where we are and leads us right back to God's Word. I have a short list of books I try to read once every year. Two of my favorites on that list are Don't Make Me Count to Three, which you've probably heard of, Ginger, (laughs) and uh, this book called Wild Things. Well, my husband noticed an almost immediate change in my son while I was still reading that book. My heart softened toward him, and his affection toward me increased, and it it was amazing. But with all due respect to the authors, this book didn't change my heart. It didn't change my son's heart. God's Word did, and I'm just so grateful for books like yours and this one that point us back to the ultimate instruction manual, as you said. You know, um, 2 Peter 1.3 says, God has given us 
everything we need for life and godliness. Mm, And he truly has, Katie. I once heard Roy Lesson compare God's instructions for parents to an owner's manual for a new appliance. And I loved how how he made that illustration. He talked about how when you buy a new appliance, the manufacturer provides you with an instruction manual, which tells you how to use the appliance and how to keep it in the best working order. And when something goes wrong, the customer is encouraged to contact the manufacturer for repairs. And it's the same with families. The family was God's idea. He brought it into being. And in the Bible, He has provided parents with instructions for how it operates best. And when parents experience problems in the training of their children, He has also given us open communication with Him through prayer. And He tells us to contact Him. And according to James 1.5, when we ask Him for wisdom, He promises to give it to us. Hmm. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8.36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm, and I was like, yeah, Dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. (laughs) And he said, well, I never noticed that before. And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's Word in your heart, just go to dwelldifferently.com and sign up today. Again, that's dwell, D-W-E-L-L, differently.com. So last week, we talked a lot about following the example of Jesus throughout Scripture in that when people messed up, uh, Jesus would often ask heart-probing questions to help them take the focus off the circumstances and situations around them and on to the sin in their own hearts. So following that example that Jesus set is part of the three-step plan in your Wise Words for Moms chart. Would you just run through the three steps you offer in the chart? Sure. Step one is suggested heart-probing questions to help reach past that outward behavior and to pull out what is going on in the heart. Now, certainly my questions aren't the only questions that parents could ask, but in those heat-of-the-moment situations when you might find yourself at a loss of words and you really aren't sure what kind of questions to ask that might help get to the heart of the matter, I just offer two or three suggested questions that can help parents you know, just get going in the right direction. Yes, that's so helpful because the question I seem to always default to is, why did you do that? And spoiler alert, our kids don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure if we're just waiting for them to say, well, because my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, mom. That's why I did it. <laughs> I mean, that is why they sin and why we sin, but our kids don't often see that. Grown men and women don't often see that. I just love Jeremiah's words in um, Jeremiah 17, 9, because he seems to express that same exasperation I have with my own heart and the hearts of my kids. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? But the very next verse is a wonderful reminder to us. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. And that's what you help us to do with this chart. And 
um, using God's word. You give us those heart probing questions to ask our kids instead instead of just asking them why they did something. It's also so helpful for those of us who might too easily jump to conclusions or put words in our kids' mouths. Yep, I've been guilty of that one too. But it's so much better to help them ponder and think through some heart-probing questions because, as I've said before, that helps them to evaluate their own heart and take ownership for the sin that's there. So step one is to ask those heart-probing questions. And then steps two and three are based on Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, where it says that we are to put off our old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, and to put on our new self, which is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So step two is what to put off what God's Word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. And then step three is what to put on, how to replace what is wrong with what is right in accordance with God's Word. I love that you give us that step three because just reproving our children isn't enough, right? And many of us just stop there. We have to then show them what the Bible prescribes for that particular sin. That's right. And sometimes we're tempted to just tell our children what not to do, what to put off, but it's equally important, if not more important, that we teach them what to do, what to put on. We always want to carry it a step further and teach them how to replace what is wrong with what is right. And again, we want to do that in accordance with what God's Word says. So there are 22 different behaviors on the chart, such as whining, lying, tattling, disobeying. And parents, if you'd like to see a sample of the behaviors from the Wise Words for Moms chart and the three-step plan for how to address them, just go to gingerhubbard.com resources and check on the Wise Words for Moms chart, and you can see a sample of just a few of the 22 behaviors. Uh, Ginger, where did you keep your chart when your kids were growing up? I kept mine in the kitchen. And, you know, really, Katie, I shouldn't even take credit for writing that chart because all I've done is organize the Word of God in accordance with struggles that kids face. I I basically just sat down and did the homework for parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I've heard a lot of moms actually refer to it as their cheat sheet because that's (laughs) what it is. It's like a cheat sheet. Right. Uh, Having the chart handy when my kids were growing up, it it just really helped me to stay consistent in heart training when my sweet little angels grew horns and I was at a loss for words because I don't know about you, but a lot of times I know that when I was in the heat of the moment, you know, maybe I'm, I'm busy doing something, I'm talking on the phone to someone, or maybe I'm even emotional or upset about something. That's when I would find myself not using God's word and God's wisdom, but my own. And that just never turned out well for any of us. So by having this quick reference flip chart right at my fingertips, again, it just helped me to be more consistent. And then when I laid my head down at night, I knew that I had instilled just the precious truths of God's word into the hearts of my kids. And it also helps us be accountable to be more self-controlled in our parenting, because think about it, it's hard to scream the word of God at our kids. (laughs) That's very true. Well, moms, this is truly a must-have resource, moms and dads. Um, It's not just wise words for moms, that's the title, but it's for dads as well. It's the best $5 you'll spend this year because it will make all the difference in the way you parent. So order your wise words for moms chart today at gingerhubbard.com and save 10% by using the code parenting. We're also offering a buy three, get one free special on the Wise Words for Moms charts because they just make wonderful, inexpensive gifts for your friends and family who want to reach the hearts of their children as well. They also make great gifts for baby showers. 
Again, the Wise Words for Moms chart is only $5, which is super inexpensive, but I can assure you it will serve as a valuable investment in the lives of your children. And don't forget to enter that code parenting at gingerhubbard.com to save 10%. Ginger, I'm just, I'm thrilled about the families that are going to be encouraged by this podcast and your books. So while we close out our time today, can you offer us some encouragement about how to reach the hearts of our children? Absolutely. When we take time to reach the hearts of our kids and feed them the Word of God, we're making a valuable investment in their lives. And I know parenting can be challenging and frustrating, especially on those days when our kids are really pushing our buttons. We can become weary in always taking time to train them through the same struggles and the same principles over and over. But we can be encouraged with Galatians 6, 9, which says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That was my life verse for parenting. Thank you, Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, uh, could you just leave us a rating or review? This helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode, including links to our sponsors. But wait, there's more. (laughs) While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her Wise Words for Moms chart and her best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. If 2020 taught us anything, it's that homeschooling is doable for almost any family, but that doesn't mean it's easy. One thing my husband and I do for ourselves every year is to go to our favorite homeschooling convention called Teach Them Diligently. There, we hear from amazing speakers who are just truly experts in their fields, including one of my favorite speakers, Ginger Hubbard. You may have heard of her. (laughs) She'll be at all four in-person events this year. Teach Them Diligently is more than just a convention, though. It's a trusted community of like-minded homeschoolers, and they provide helpful content to equip you to homeschool and disciple your children better. My husband and I have been to other homeschooling conventions and... You know, one thing I noticed about Teach Them Diligently is that it is truly Christ-centered and family-focused. For more information about the upcoming virtual and in-person Teach Them Diligently events, visit teachthemdiligently.net. Again, that's teachthemdiligently.net.